You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, November 18th, 2020. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com, and today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season is different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season, because Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Joining us today is a Jets legend. He's a member of the Ring of Honor. He was part of the famous Sack Exchange. He is the team's radio analyst, and he's the author of the book, If These Walls Could Talk, Stories from the New York Jets, Marty Lyons. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Oh, my pleasure, John. So, Marty, let's talk about your book. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you wrote about it in If These Walls Could Talk, Stories from the New York Jets. Well, you know, John, I've been very fortunate and blessed to be with the organization for over 40 years, coming in in 1979. And I had an opportunity from a company out in Chicago to write a book about, you know, the 40 years of uh, experience of working with different coaches, different players, and also uh, to be able to pay tribute to the kids from the Marty Lyons Foundation, children that had lost their life because of terminal illness. So, it's more of a crossover book where I can tell stories about the Jets, but also take the readers inside what it's like to have a child that's sick or inside the four walls of a hospital and having to make a, you know, the hardest decision of their life, uh, taking their child off life support. So, um, you know, it was a, a very emotional book for me to write because it was you know, you go from laughing at times to crying at times to trying to share life lessons for those that will follow in our footsteps. Absolutely. So what are some of the most significant lessons you shared in this book? Well, you know, I shared a story about Dennis Bird and what it was like to, you know, in my 11th year, you know, to see the draft come around and see so many defensive linemen taken and when Dennis came in, he had just that quality. You knew he was going to be a good football player, but he was a better person. And I messed with him a little bit to, you know, to try to keep him off my back because I knew that he was going to one day take my place. And uh, we became good friends. And when he got hurt, I went to see him in the hospital. And, you know, Dennis said, uh, you know, he was going to walk again, and he did. And I remember that day when he looked at me and he said, uh, you know, I'm glad this happened to me rather than one of my teammates. And I was kind of taken back by that comment. And I said, Dennis, what do you mean? And he says, uh, I have faith. He said, a lot of my teammates don't have the same faith that I have, and I'm going to walk again. And indeed he did. And, you know, he was a man of faith, a man of, of Christ. And he shared that with every one of us, but didn't judge every one of us. And uh, when we lost him in that tragic uh, accident a few years ago, my heart just broke. You know, he was he was a good man. Absolutely. He's a, a truly 
one of the most inspirational figures, uh, not just in NFL history, but I mean, I, he's one of the most inspirational human beings uh, I've ever heard of. You know, when you when you think about his story, um, when you think back about your football career, what are some of the memories that stand out that you wrote about in the book? Well, you know, I go all the way back to high school. You know, football wasn't my first love. I grew up in Florida. Uh, my dad was a retired police officer. My mom was a registered nurse. I had three older brothers, an older sister, and a younger brother, younger sister. So there were seven of us, and we all went to the same school. And my three brothers that were older than me, they were all great athletes. I got to go watch them play and you always would remind yourself, you go, wow, man, you know, if I can be that good, I can, I can be recognized. And if I can be better than them, you know, maybe I'll be something special, but I didn't like the game of football. It was, uh, I'm not going to say it wasn't easy. It wasn't hard, but you know, back in the seventies, the coaches were different at the high school I went to, we only had 26 players. So we, if you were good enough to play offense, you were good enough to play defense. And if you were good enough to play defense, you were on the special teams. But it was just something about the game that didn't intrigue me. And I think that uh, my second year coach there, George O'Brien, saw more in me than I saw in myself and started to send letters out to different colleges saying, hey, I think this kid can play. And by the time I was a junior, you know, we'd play on Friday nights. You'd have scouts from Florida State, Florida, Alabama in the stands. And then my senior year, got, you know, even more intense. And, you know, when I went to the um, University of Alabama, I sat down with Coach Bryan and he said, son, if you're good enough to play, the opportunity will be here. And I chose to go to the, uh, to the University of Alabama because if you want to be the best, play the best and challenge yourself by, you know, going to an, a place where, there's not going to be a lot of promises, but the opportunities will be there. Absolutely. Then you went on to have that great career at Alabama, and you were a first-round pick by the Jets in 1979. What were you thinking when the when you when you found out you were going to play in New York for the Jets? The first thing I thought was, you know, John, my dream came true. You know, you start as a young child and. You work so hard and so many people are involved in your life that really been instrumental. You know, when you when I would fall, there'd be somebody there to pick me up. You know, if I doubted myself, there was always somebody to pat me on the back and say, hey, don't worry, we'll get them next time. And, you know, here I was, the number one draft choice for the New York Jets and being able to fulfill a dream of playing in the NFL. And we got. I got up here in 1979, and the Jets, they weren't a good team. You know, we lost our first game to Cleveland, and then we go up to New England. We lost 56-3, to and it was completely different than uh, playing at the University of Alabama for Coach Bryant because you were getting paid. And um, it was challenging, but we eventually turned it around. The locker room got better. We got uh, better leadership both on and off the field, and we had some nice little runs, but unfortunately, we weren't able to make it to the Super Bowl. When it comes to getting into or staying in shape, there's nothing like that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. And Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity is, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. 
Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes, always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com NFL. Again, that's E-C-H-E-L-O-N-F-I-T dot com NFL. You were part of one of the most iconic units in franchise history, the New York Sack Exchange. In fact, when I talk to Jets fans and they talk about Jets history, the first the first name that comes up is Joe Namath, but the second unit people talk about is the Sack Exchange. Can you speak a little bit about being part of such an iconic uh, unit? Well, you know, you look back on it and you really appreciate the guys that you lined up with, not just the front four, but, you know, the linebackers in the secondary that we had, uh, they were outstanding. But when you have two edge guys like Joe Klecko and Mark Asno that are going to come around the corner, you can't double team both of them. And for both of them to get over 20 sacks in that season and Abdul and I, we were just doing what we were supposed to do, you know, containing three guys with the two of us, take the two guards, take the center, make sure that they can't fan out and block Joe or Mark. And so I was fortunate. I was wedged right in between Abdul and, and Joe. And I looked over at Joe and he gave me a nod or he gave me the look. I knew what he was going to do. He was going to take the tackle up the field, slide underneath him, which meant all I had to do was hold the guard and then wrap around him and hold containment. And a lot of times if Joe didn't get the sack, he would flush him out to me. But it was a complete, you know, team effort. A lot of the credit went to the front four. But if you don't have those guys in the secondary and the linebackers giving you enough time to get to the quarterback, uh, you're not going to get there. Now, I know you, you had a long and successful career, so this might be an unfair question, but if there's a single moment you think back on as the greatest moment of your career, what would it be? You know, I think it would be, you know, life after football. I think it was in, in 2013 when the New York Jets honored me by putting me in their ring of honor. I was the 13th player to go in that Um into the ring of honor. And I remember that day thanking all the coaches and looking over and you see your entire family there. So you get to share the moment with them, but you know, also share it with the fans. You know, I, the last thing I said was my name would be their name forever in the ring of honor because the fans mean so much to the game of football and meant so much to me as a player. And I think that's what hurts now, you know, in the 2020 year going to the games and with the pandemic and no fans at the game and nobody's tailgate and you come in there and it's kind of depressing at time and we're trying to make the best out of a bad situation. But uh, you really do now appreciate even more so what the fans mean to the game. Certainly. And yeah, that's a good segue. How did you get into broadcasting after your career ended? Your luck. You know, it was it was an opportunity to, you know, when I retired in 91, I really wanted to get into coaching, but that opportunity, that door never opened up. So um, I had a chance to do some college games, and you start to do the college games, and then on Monday you go in and you listen to the tapes and you would critique yourself and, 
I was very fortunate. I had a relationship with Marty Glickman, and he would call, and we'd go over some of the tapes, and he'd say, well, I know what you're trying to say, but it didn't come across like that. And then, you know, you just kept working at it, working at it, working at it. And then I had an opportunity to host the Jet Journal TV show. So I got back involved with the Jets organization. Now we've been up in the booth, Bob Wachusen and myself, for 19 years. And it's just, as uh, you know, if you're matched up with the right person and you can build that chemistry, um, then you can translate what you're seeing, you know, Al Trodwick once told me, and he said, you know what, when you're doing radio, just pretend you're talking to a blind person. You know, paint the picture. And that's what Bob and I have tried to do for 19 years. A lot of times that picture, unfortunately, hasn't been nice, but they had their moments. Built's Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new Built Bar is even more delicious. There are now 18 amazing flavors. There are six new flavors to go with the 12 originals. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Coconut Almond has 18 grams protein, 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carbs. Cookies and Cream has 17 grams protein, 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for 20% off at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Let's talk a little bit about the current Jets team with their record 0-9. What do you think the mindset is in the locker room right now? Well, I think they're depressed. I think they're they're frustrated. But I think they're given every bit of effort that they can. You know, when you get yourself into a rut of starting the season off 0-4 and then you get to halfway point, you're 0-8 and 0-9, you can point the finger at every one and say, hey, they got to play better. But I think it's time now for the individuals to take the and hold themselves accountable and say, hey, you know what? Before we can play good as a team, I got to play better. Don't point the finger at one of your teammates. Point it at yourself and go out there and do the best that you can. And if you can hold your head high at the end of the game and you go, wow, we gave a great effort, but we came up short, then you know what? That's life in the NFL. Uh, nobody wants to go 0 and 9. Nobody certainly wants to go 0 and 16. Um, but you know, 2020 has been a strange year. You know, no preseason. You know, very little uh, interacting during training camp. The Jets have a new offensive line. Five guys starting for the first time. You know, they lack the the chemistry there. Then Sam gets hurt. Then the wide receivers get hurt. So everything that could happen to the Jets organization happened. But, you know, my wife is one of those people that says things happen for a reason. Well, they're happening now so that Joe Douglas can say to himself at at the end of the season, hey, we got to totally rebuild this, rebuild the culture of the Jets, start with the foundation, and let's go. And I think Joe Douglas is going to be the man that's going to take the Jets into the future. I guess that leads into my next question. Uh, this team's 0-9, and you know, I, I don't think anybody was expecting the season to go quite this badly. There were some people who were expecting the team to be pretty decent. There were some people who weren't expecting that good of a season. I don't think anybody thought the Jets would be 0-9 at this point of the year. How much of this do you put on just the team not having a lot of talent? How much do you put on maybe coaching issues? How much do you put on just 
a, a unusual situation this year has provided. Uh, you know, how how do you think the Jets got to this point? Well, that's a good question, John. I think that number one, that um, you know, they're still a young team. Number two, you had some players opt out. You know, like C.J. Mosley and. Uh, Number three, you haven't played good, fast, smart football. And as a result, uh, when you find yourself not putting points up on the scoreboard and and always trailing at halftime, uh, then you get out of your game plan, then you get desperate, then you start to make mistakes, and the next thing you know, you run out of time and it's another loss. So I don't think you can start pointing the fingers and saying, well, everybody's got to do better. Everybody, you know, it's not just the coaches, it's the players, it's the execution. There's not one single thing that you could actually point to and say, this is why they're 0-9. Certainly they need some more skilled players. Certainly they need to protect the quarterback. Certainly the coaches need to do a better job, but it's a team effort. So when you win as a team, that's great. When you lose as a team, you got to go back into the complex on a Monday and regroup and get ready because nobody in the NFL is going to feel sorry for you. And of course, before the season, the Jets traded their best player, Jamal Adams, to Seattle. And it's a move that, with, with considering the Jets got a pair of first round picks in return and a third round pick, it's a move that clearly could help the team quite a bit in the long run. But I think it was always a move that was going to hurt the team in the short run. And when you look at the defense, I think they're, you know, the defense is not playing as well as it did a year ago. How much of that do you think is just the loss of Jamal Adams? Well, you know, Jamal Adams was a, a very emotional player. He brought a lot of excitement to the defense. But I think it came to the point where, you know, Jamal wasn't going to be happy here, no matter what the Jets did, no matter, you know, there was a he said, she said with Joe Douglas, and it was time. And unfortunately, you know, being around the Jets for 42 years, I've seen players that, you know, were here, were a part of the team, but it wasn't a perfect fit for him. So, you know, he went to a team out there with the Seattle Seahawks with Pete Carroll. He's got a great quarterback out there in Russell Wilson, and he has an opportunity to win. So, you know, he, he ended up in a good spot in his life for his career, and the Jets got back you know, some draft choices, so they're going to build. Um, but, I, I, you know, losing Jamal Adams is not the reason why they're 0-9 either, you know. I think if he was here, maybe you, you could have had a couple more wins, but uh, we don't know. You know, you can't live in a what-if world. That brings me to Sam Darnold. How, how do you assess Sam Darnold's progress uh, both this season and over his three years with the team? It, it's very hard because, number one, you know, he hasn't been healthy enough to play 16 games. Um, number two, he hasn't had the skilled players around him. Number three, you haven't had the protection up front by the offensive line. Um, I think I think Sam's a great leader in the both on and off the field. I think he's got all the tools to be a great player in the NFL. And whether he's going to be a great player with the New York Jets or one of the other 31 teams, that's another decision that Joe Douglas is going to have to make. But, you know, I think he has the talent. And it's like anything in life. If if you have the talent around you, you're going to be more successful. And I think a lot of times Sam gets a little frustrated out there and he tries to do a little bit too much. And as a result, 
you have a negative play. But uh, I have the utmost confidence in Sam, whether it's with the Jets or, again, with uh, one of the other 31 teams, he's going to be good in the NFL. All right. He's the author of If These Walls Could Talk Stories from the New York mm-hmm. Jets. Get that book, and you can also hear him this Sunday with, on the radio when the Jets play the Chargers. Marty Lyons, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, John. Just want to let all the listeners know that all the proceeds from my end of the book will go directly to the foundation, and we provide special wishes for terminally ill children. So whatever you can do, we would greatly appreciate it, and uh, wishing everybody uh, a happy Thanksgiving, and stay healthy out there and stay safe. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. I hope you have a good Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow to talk more Jets.